shit. That was the reaction of LeBron James when he heard that the NBA would be starting its season on December 22nd. This is the Forum Club with Bill Oram and Anthony Slater. Anthony Slater, what was your reaction when you heard when the NBA would be tipping off its season? My reaction when you just started that podcast was I thought you had a technical difficulty or something, or or maybe you, you, you had to bolt to go to a Lakers Zoom availability, but you stunned me with that a little bit. Um, as far as the season goes... I was cool with it because I wasn't in the bubble. So uh, I was watching the bubble from my house, and I'm mostly going to be watching this season from my house. So uh, I'm, I'm ready for some hoops. I don't know about you. I, I'm a, I like it. So for a team that played in the NBA Finals on October 11th, won a championship on October 11th, it's going to be a 71-72 day turnaround to the start of the regular season. Uh, the Lakers opened training camp on Sunday with their first practice. They've had a couple days of practices now. First preseason game coming up on Friday. Slater, what do you expect from the Lakers now that you know they're back on the court? Obviously, we've talked we've talked about this roster ad nauseum. You know, a lot of talk about uh, how to best manage LeBron. How do you think this quick turnaround is ultimately going to affect this this team and their ability to defend their title? Well, they're talking like they're confident it won't, you know, and that they're going to have the same type of defensive level. And I do think LeBron has come off as somebody who is not moaning too much about the season. He did have that quote that you mentioned, and he's somewhat transparent about this condensed timeline. But overall, he, I mean, he kind of seems more ready than I was even expecting to mentally. I uh, even went and got drunk on the Richard Jefferson podcast and made about seven headlines from that. So. Hey, 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 around here we call that the Allie Clifton podcast. Oh, my bad, my yeah exactly what you said i would say i want mo i'm most maybe even in the preseason opener but really in that first month looking at how much the schroeder montrez harrell second unit pick and roll game can kind of keep them offensively afloat and maybe allow the LeBron Davis easing into the season. Can they win some of those early games against the more whatever opponents and you know when they're not on national TV by just mainly going to that and LeBron Davis can kind of float a little bit early? Yeah, I think that's got to be the key. Even if LeBron is not taking nights off, I don't think he should be playing into the high 30s in any of these early games for the first month, you know, with the exception of, you know, opening night against the Clippers, the Christmas game, you know, those those marquee games that you're talking about. But for the most part, you're going to manage them carefully with their minutes, with their assignments. The schedule, which we have seen now since we last since we last spoke, has come out. And I agree that the schedule is not overwhelmingly difficult or early on, but it's not super kind to the Lakers either. I mean, when you consider, you know, that this is one of the two teams that is going to have the shortest offseason, and you start looking at, okay, Clippers to start, then Dallas. Dallas, then Portland, then I'm missing one there. There's another one at home. And then they go on the road and they the play. The Minnesota Timberwolves. I just just uh, looked it up. There you go, the Timberwolves. You know, Portland is a team that's better. That's a team that is going to come out with a chip on their shoulder with something to prove in, in that game when the Lakers might still be easing into the season. And then you go on the road and you play two games at San Antonio. San Antonio is not going to be that good, but whatever. And then Memphis. Memphis is one of the young, you know, exuberant teams of the bubble. Had a chance to be in the playoffs last year. So, I mean, just the first two weeks of the season, the Lakers are going to be tested, I think, by some of these teams. Now, the question is, does it matter? Unless the Lakers start 0-10, like, is anybody really going to care what happens in the first two weeks of the season? They could be 7-4 and and it won't matter at all, really. They could be 5-6 and and it won't matter at all. Yeah, the one thing I think they should be happy about is that their first four games are at home and their first road trip is the double up 
thing that they're doing with the you stay in you know you play san antonio san antonio memphis memphis it, it's you, you know it's a four game road trip but it's really a two city road trip and um that is helpful uh you know you 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 don't feel like you're bouncing around whereas you know obviously the team i cover the warriors they're starting the season at brooklyn at milwaukee at chicago at De- uh detroit and they're like really and and but the but the truth is, I assume the NBA probably thought about it this way. Like, hey, Warriors, you haven't played in eight months. Like, you can start on a four-game road trip in the middle of a pandemic, whereas the Lakers are going to get four home games to start the season because that's really what we're talking about, right? It's it As you mentioned, it's really the first 10 games. Once they get into the meat of the season, um, they, they should kind of mentally be back there. It's mostly just about, you know, can they can they recover for this first stretch, like the, the 10 games or so? Yeah, and I'm going to be interested. I mean, the Warriors are an interesting one to watch just at the very beginning, how the travel and the city-to-city travel in the middle of the pandemic works and how, you know, those guys are affected by, you know, the restrictions on the road. Well, they're already facing some uh, coronavirus uh, trouble. As many teams are. And, you know, the Lakers haven't had everybody in training camp yet either. I look at when the Lakers do go on the road for a real substantial road trip. It's 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 toward the end of January, and it's a seven-game trip. And... It just is mind boggling. You know, when you consider the restrictions, the travel restrictions that we all face, you know, around the holidays. And if you leave the state, the expectation that you're going to quarantine, you know, I'd be nervous if I was, you know, on a team that suddenly had to go to seven, seven cities in seven states in 12 days. In the winter. In the winter, you know, and I I know we're all kind of moving, you know, through this, this pandemic, you know, there's a lot of optimism about the vaccine and the timing of that. And so, you know, things are hopefully going to be getting better, but like, I just can't divorce you know, any talk of this season from from thinking about where it fits in with in the grand grand scheme of uh, of the pandemic. And I understand the NBA had to, you know, you've got to get these teams you know, out there to play each other if you're going to have a season. You know, that's what I'm looking at, just the idea of a team you know, getting on seven different airplanes. I know they charter. I know they stay in you know, hotels that are going to make massive accommodations for them you know, to keep them as safe as possible. But that's just a lot of different potential exposures you know, for a traveling party. You know, This is just not the bubble. No, and I think most about what these guys will do when they have their off night in the city. Just chatting with some people around a couple teams who have been waiting for you know, they were waiting for the schedule for a long time. I mean, we're sitting here now two weeks out from the season. They just got the schedule last week. Typically, you get like two months to like really look over the roadmap. Um, and then the other thing is they were like, I had a lot of people like, hey, do you, do you know what we're going to be allowed to do in the hotels? Can we go to restaurants in these cities? Are we going to be basically imprisoned in the hotel? Basically, you just go hotel, gym, back to the hotel, wait until your plane ride to the next city. Then you go hotel, gym. Like, are you allowed it all out in these cities? I guess the answer sounds like from what I've been reading and, and, and talking to people that they're going to get like approved restaurants and it's going to be, they will be allowed to venture from the hotel, but it'll be very like sanctioned and controlled. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you look at the NFL and the MLB even, that's led to outbreaks at times. I mean, you have remember early MLB season when like the Miami Marlins didn't play for like three straight weeks, then the Cardinals had an outbreak. You look at the Baltimore Ravens right now in the NFL. Um, and and one of the things the NFL doesn't have that the NBA does are these extended road trips. If you're an NFL team and you're playing a game in Miami, you fly to Miami Saturday, you play the game Sunday, you leave back wherever. Where 
as you mentioned, seven games in seven different cities for the Lakers in January, February. Cold weather cities. As we know with this virus, one guy gets it, suddenly 10 guys might have it, and suddenly, you know, maybe you don't play for two weeks, and suddenly the schedule's all screwed up. So it's also, I mean, we can talk about this, the NBA didn't even release half their schedule because they need to give themselves like leeway to to really change things up. So yeah, it's going to be a weird season. Yeah, the NBA has gotten so much credit for the bubble. And it was interesting, you know, even talking to Rob Palinka the other day, the Lakers GM, we asked him, you know, where he got the confidence that this season was going to be a success and why he believed that the NBA was going to be able to pull this off. And he said, it's like, hey, you have to give them credit for what they pulled off in the bubble. I mean, these are the same thinkers who you know put that together. So, you know, you have trust in the league. But the difference is that the league had control of the bubble situation. They established the boundaries and they could control who came in and went out. And, you know, everybody was wearing little tracking devices. And I mean, that's a lot of oversight, you know, to be able to pull it off. Now you're going to be in cities where it is going to come down to personal accountability and you're going to have, you know, some players who, I don't know, I wonder if there's going to be players who have gotten a false sense of security because they were in the bubble. I really am fascinated to see when someone violates these protocols and it and it spreads throughout their team. And it's not, to me, it's not an if. I mean, that is going to happen somewhere at some point in this season. And then it's gonna be a question of how much that team loses and if you can get it back on the schedule on the back end. Can you imagine if you're a Houston Rockets player right now? And James Harden, who has been pictured and videoed in two different clubs in two different cities, came back to Houston today and he is getting going through the testing protocol and probably that'll probably mean three days of quarantine or whatever to make sure he registers the negative test but you're probably sitting there like whoa you know what you know with with kind of a little bit of a side eye for multiple reasons um and then did you track the raven story like their patient zero it was like a strength and conditioning it was like i believe it was like a strength and conditioning coach got it and you know he's working with these players he's in the weight room he's doing all that And eventually, from that, spreads through the roster, including the star quarterback who's missed, like, two games because of it. So, yeah, I mean, as you said, like, this isn't, oh, eight guys made a mistake, well, eight guys have it. Sometimes it's one person. And, you know, I say a mistake. I I don't want to necessarily say you don't even know how these guys got it. Maybe they had to go to the grocery store to get something for their family. And, like, you know, I don't know exactly how people – get it sometimes they're not necessarily so much at fault maybe they were wearing the mask they were going through everything and they still got it anyways but then that leads to yeah this team can't play for a few weeks slash there's like health concerns about for them and their families Slater let's pull the curtain back a little bit on you know our jobs a little bit and how it's going to be a little bit different um from like you said we were we, we covered the entire bubble from our couches you will have the opportunity to go to some games at Chase Center to see the Warriors in person I'll have the opportunity to cover the Lakers from Staples Center in person as well we're not going to be traveling with our teams for obvious reasons that we have really spent a lot of time kind of going over the last few minutes but what do you think it's going to be like to be at for example if you covered the the league in the bubble you have a sense of what it's like to cover a game without fans if you obviously work in the nba and we're in the bubble you've gotten a little bit of a taste of that and so maybe some of that shock has worn off but this is going to be different these are big cavernous arenas that are not as far as i know going to be set up in the same intimate way that the bubble arenas were you know i think we're going to be quite a ways from the court what are you expecting the experience of covering a game and i'm assuming that's this week for you right saturday saturday and the lakers open their preseason schedule on friday against the clippers so i'll be at staples center on friday what are you expecting that experience to be like? Like, how do you, how are you kind of mentally uh, preparing? It's gonna be odd. You know, I've watched a few of these college games, like Duke playing at Cameron Indoor, and it's empty. You know, and you're like, well, this kind of looks a little weird. Um, I think hearing like defensive calls or rotations and 
Um, I don't know. I remember when the Warriors were initially going to do an empty arena game, they were going to still have like the PA going and like, you know, hey, everybody stand on your feet. So it still sounded like a game. Probably so there wouldn't be as much cognitive dissonance for players, right? So like players locked into the game would still have kind of that same, just the same sort of markers of being in a game. Apparently like the two teams that was going to be Warriors Nets were like come talking about a playlist to have going during the game and stuff like that. So I assume there will be a little bit of that and still like on the PA like foul on number 23. Um so that will I don't I'm not sure that will even feel normal. That'll be weird to be like, "Well, who are they even saying this to?" Um but it's going to be weird. I'm getting tested. I, I think the Warriors might be the only team doing that, but to enter Chase we have to schedule a time to get tested, and then it's like a rapid 15, 20-minute wait test, and it says if we're negative or positive before we enter the arena. I don't believe you'll be doing that in Staples. I think the Warriors are the only team doing it. I don't it. think so. I haven't been tested yet ever because, you know, I've just mostly been away and chilling. So I know this is a Lakers podcast, but it's also our podcast, and we can just talk about whatever we want. And what I currently want to talk about is what you were just talking about with that Nets-Warriors game that was supposed to happen. And there's no reason that if Rudy Gobert hadn't tested positive on the Wednesday night, that that Thursday game... was that Yeah, it was Thursday. That game would have happened, right? Nobody's we getting tested We did an entire press conference where it was like Rick Welts, their you know, director of business, yeah. and Bob Myers... And even Steph Curry talked that day, and like I wrote an entire story about what the game was going to be like the next night, and you know all the oddities of it, and like I said, the playlist, and and the the reason the Warriors came to this decision. And I filed the story at post, and I'm driving back to my house, and Rudy go, and uh, something's going on in the Thunder Jazz game right now, and then boom, sports ends basically. The Nets had so many positive cases that they determined after that fact in their uh, traveling party that. If that game had happened, I mean, think about it. Think about a super spreader event, right? If Rudy Gobert hadn't tested positive and that Nets-Warriors game happened with all those positive cases that were later identified within the Nets locker room, I mean, we could have been talking about, you know, an NBA outbreak on a much larger scale than we were. So anyway, that was sort of a a little bit of a diversion that I was not planning on taking with this podcast, but it kind of speaks to where we are. Yes, it does. And this year, and the fact that the reason why now teams are like, we're testing everybody every day. Because if you don't test everybody every day, some suddenly one guy on this team has it, you haven't identified it, they play a game, they're all bashing into each other, going to the rim, sweating, grabbing, and suddenly six players from the game have it. And then that's how it, I mean, that's just the nature of this thing right now. It is a strange time. It is it is crazy. But I'm excited to see the Lakers play with this new uh, lineup they have. I'm excited to see Montrez Harrell. I'm excited to see where Schroeder fits in. I'm getting the sense that Schroeder was letting us in on a bit of a secret when he said he was um, expecting to start because of the way that has been framed in conversations by Frank Vogel. Um, you know, he has said that's something they're going to look at, but they really like the idea of playing Schroeder alongside LeBron. One thing I know last year is they loved Avery Bradley for his tenacity, the fact that he could play off the ball. They just wished he was a little bit more of a ball handler to really be that perfect fit next to LeBron, even if LeBron is the point guard, to give you that secondary ball handler. Schroeder does that. He does some of what Bradley did in the other facets, and now he also has the ball handling. So I think knowing Frank Vogel and the way his mind works a little bit, I think that we will be seeing Schroeder start games. And then the question is, how do you balance him out so he's also on the floor with Harrell a lot? You probably need LeBron or Schroeder on the floor at all times, right? Yeah, uh, you probably pluck Schroeder out at the six-minute mark. If you're really trying to stagger guys so one is on the floor at all times, that's usually how it's done. Like this, you know, six-minute mark, you pull one of them. Now, usually the more tenured... 
guy gets to choose how he wants his rotation pattern and the other guy kind of has to fit around it where LeBron says, this is how I want to do my pattern. Fit Schroeder's around mine would probably be my guess. Um, my larger question, because I mean, maybe you could, you know, because I haven't been on all these Zoom calls or as locked into it as you, what exactly was Vogel's message that makes you think they're going to start Schroeder like game one, preseason game one next to LeBron? It's just the way he's talked about playing the two of them together. The enthusiasm he has had when he's talked about, you know, the ability to have you know, a defensive presence, a guy who can score off the ball. That's the thing he's talking most about is like, you know, I think of Dennis Schroeder as a guy, you know, who is a ball dominant, needs the ball in his hands. And they really see him as being really effective off the ball also. And so if that's the case, if you have a lot of confidence in his ability to, you know, create off the ball. The catch and shoot's big too. And catch and shoot. Then all of a sudden it's like, he's kind of the, the perfect person to play next to LeBron. And then the question becomes, how do you stagger them so you don't lose ball handling with the second unit? And that's, you know, I guess that's why they're coaches. Yeah, and look, it's the regular season, the preseason, but really the, even the regular season, especially for a team like the Lakers, is all about experimentation and different lineup combinations and who works where. You know, they discovered LeBron and Caruso work together because it just they tried it enough times and it worked enough times. My question about this whole Schroeder situation, because of the way he framed it initially, like, hey, I'm kind of done with this off the bench thing, is let's say they experiment with it and let's say they find out and eh, this doesn't really this doesn't fit what we need is Schroeder going to be okay saying you know okay you're right i'll step back into a bench role and i'll still get my minutes but we just to make the rotations make sense i should start the game on the bench that'll be interesting yeah i think that's going to be the question is you know dennis Schroeder obviously has some confidence that he's going to start and that he that was something that you know his agent articulated to the Lakers when he was traded here that's his expectation he's going to be you know fat and happy as long as that's the case how happy is is he going to be if if that changes and you know that's where you know chemistry comes in so big on these teams you know like last year everyone the Lakers had bought into their role. We didn't know if that would be the case coming into the year, but Rondo bought into his role. Dwight Howard bought into playing 19 minutes off the bench. If a player's expectations are not met, you know, suddenly the fact that you're playing for the Los Angeles Lakers with a championship is not necessarily enough. And that's where we're going to have to see, you know, and really chart the maturity of Dennis Schroeder. Because if we're judging him based on, you know, Atlanta Dennis Schroeder, you think, oh, that's potentially trouble. But if you're going off of Oklahoma City Dennis Schroeder, and the way you know people talk about him around the league now, and the people who coached him, it's not going to be a problem whatsoever. So I mean, it's something to watch. But I, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be curious to see. I mean, same with Montrez Harrell. I mean, Montrez Harrell, sixth man of the year. What role does he want to play? I mean, he obviously, when you become sixth man of the year, you know, as Schroeder has sort of indicated, you know, at some point, what's next? Because some players really embrace the idea of becoming that killer off the bench. It's the Lou Williams model. It's not the way everybody is wired. It's not the way everyone thinks. Jamal Crawford was, is another one. So there's a lot of talent on this Lakers roster. There's a lot of talent. You know, Kyle Kuzma is another guy. But I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work when you have that many guys who can potentially lay a claim to going out and getting you 25 points. Let me ask you about LeBron's week in the press. Uh, you know, he had the, as I mentioned, that podcast with Richard Jefferson and Ali Clifton where he made several newsworthy statements and then he did a zoom uh with the lakers media where like i said i th his spirits his his readiness for the season i thought was my biggest takeaway what have been your thoughts of lebron's week yeah i mean this is a guy who just signed a new deal for 85 million dollars he's gonna play you know through his 20th season with the lakers i think it's kind of that i mean this is you know i i thought lebron definitely kind of let his 
you know, true colors and his true feelings show about his feelings about the turnaround, right? But I think he understood that this was going to be, you know, it's kind of the same thing as the bubble. This is bigger than, you know, any one player. It's bigger than any one season. I mean, for the viability of the league, you know, this is how the league sold the, the players union on on starting the season so early is, you know, for the viability of the league and the amount of money they could regain by starting so early, it was what was needed. And I think LeBron James, you know, consummate businessman knows that. And so I think, you know, you've made this point a couple of times. If they can get through this initial sort of where it feels just out of rhythm, it doesn't feel natural to be starting, then they're going to be fine. But it is kind of the awkwardness right at the beginning. I think LeBron understands that. I think LeBron also understands that he is not going to be expected to play 38 minutes a night, guard the best player on the other team, and, you know, attack the season the same way he did last year. Now, he's not going to say that. But I think his spirits are so good because he understands he has the latitude to take his time getting ready for this season and working himself into shape, what working himself into playoff condition, you know, which is what really matters. And I think the Lakers learned that a year ago. If the Lakers were the five seed, if they had a kind of disappointing regular season, there's a malaise, maybe there's a little bit of injury issues um, and LeBron, you know, the defense is like eighth, 12th, 14th, whatever in the league. And they just were the five seed. It doesn't really matter that much as long as playoff game one, whatever the four or five matchup, they're just they're locked in for that. And nobody understands the idea that you can erase a bad regular season and the bad taste of a bad regular season better than LeBron. He's had bad regular seasons, particularly in Cleveland, and I don't mean necessarily individual ones, although he's had some bad defensive individual seasons, but like the team has just there's been a bad vibe the whole way. But Hey, if I take over this series, if I take over the next series, if I drag this team to the finals, it's a successful season because the playoffs are all he is judged on. So that's the main thing. He's just he's gonna figure out a way to navigate himself to now. I would I would have said mid-April, but it's no longer mid-April. When playoffs like late May now, I think it's like late yeah. May to late July. Uh, he'll get there. He needs his team there healthy. He needs to be healthy, and and you do want to build the habits, but. As long as they're in the playoffs, they're in the playoffs. LeBron's in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think I've made this point before, but like, how much does it really matter? You know, especially no home court advantage, no fans. Obviously, maybe I guess by May. sleeping, maybe, sleeping, by, maybe May. by May. But I just feel like you know, as long as you know, as long as they don't fall like the seventh seed or something, I don't see them having you know a hard time getting to the to the conference finals. And at that point, you know, seeding doesn't matter. So I agree with you. I mean, this can be a slow build for the Lakers, for LeBron, for Anthony Davis, you know, some of the other older guys. I mean, I don't think you need to overwork someone like Jared Dudley. Pause for laughter. Um, (laughs) My guy, JD, sorry. Um, But, you know, I think that you can, um, I don't even know what a good record is in a 72 win season. If you, if you win 40 games, it's been weird to like, try to do the math in your head of like, well, I would have said like a a 43, 43 win team is, is like, sounds great for the Lakers this year. Is that right? 43 and 29. I think that would be kind of disappointing. Like as far as a regular season record, I think they should aim like almost kind of towards 50, you know, you'd be 50 and 22 would be, that would be what it'll get you probably one, two, three seed. Now, if they do, if they are what we're talking about, and only win forty three, and they're in that mix where you know five, six, seven, um, yeah, again, that's a disappointing regular season. And even though we are telling people that that doesn't matter, and I do agree, essentially, if they are ready to go game one of the playoffs, it doesn't matter. We're still going to write panic button stories, and we're going to enjoy. Well, and also, it. yeah, well, and we're going to have a lot to break down, right? Because something's not working. Like you're losing games because. The offense isn't, you know, the offensive rating isn't high enough or the defense has slid. And so, and this kind of gets you into the the conversation about the Clippers from a year ago also, where it's like, how much can you trust you can just flip the switch? This Lakers team, this Lakers team has never 
has never done it. You know, you have, you know, however many new um, key rotational pieces, you know, I do think that there is a, there is a trap here of just assuming that you can flip the switch and become, you know, a championship team in one of the playoffs like you were at game six last year. It's a little bit of a fool's errand to think it's just going to happen. Let me flip this before we get out of here. Um, Clippers, Clippers, that's the, their first two preseason games. And it's, it's not a... Uh, you know, low-key opponent that they're going to be going up against. What do you expect minute-wise? What do you expect vibe-wise? Do you think both these teams are like, hey, I know it's preseason, but, you know, we want to send some early messages. Or do you think they're almost going to try to avoid, you know, making it feel like a regular season game? I think it's the latter. I think especially from the Lakers' point of view, I don't think the Lakers are going to give, you know, the Clippers any ammunition. Does LeBron play on Friday? I don't know. My guess would be that even if you see LeBron in game in game one of the preseason, it's going to be something like you saw in the last seeding game going into the playoffs where he plays, you know, six minutes in the first quarter, six minutes in the second quarter, and then he sits. You know, it's like you're not going to see 25 minutes of LeBron in the first preseason game. I would not be surprised in the least if you didn't see LeBron in the first preseason game. What are you looking for then? We talk Montrez and Schroeder, but beyond that... Montrez and Schroeder, I'm curious to see... You know, I'm curious to see what Kyle Kuzma is about. How is he making an imprint on the floor? You know, Marcus Saul, how does he look after, you know, a fairly uninspiring bubble? The Lakers have put a lot on his shoulders. He is basically the lone center now. So I'm curious to see how he looks. You know, mostly that's mostly it, right? The new guys and whether or not what Kyle Kuzma year four, is this year four for Kuzma? What yeah. year four looks like for him? So I'm going to I'm um, gonna keep beating this drum, but I want to see Taylor Horton Tucker. I want to see if this guy could be in the rotation. Yes. You know, Vogel kind of hyped him up the other day where he somebody did. you can give me the exact quote but it was asked like kind of about his future viability and, and he's like i'm not just worrying about the future he can help us now i thought that was interesting well and he said that he's you know that frank pushes him more than anyone else in practice because he knows that he could be a piece of what they're doing right now and because he's young enough to um be able to you know, take it. So, um, hey, uh, real quick, Slater, we started this podcast talking about a quick turnaround. I'm going to throw another quick turnaround at you. The Lakers are starting their Zooms today a little bit early. Uh, this is indicative of the new media world we live in. So I'm actually going to jump and talk to Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Enjoy that. And we will talk next week after some games have actually been had a little bit. Maybe maybe we can talk about rotations and stuff. Oh, that's I just can't wait. Okay, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. This has been the Forum Club. I'm Bill Orem with Anthony Slater. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.